Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail i'm so thrilled to talk i i gotta tell you folks dr kevin shuey is joining me here today you know in the world we live in you have to ask yourself the question you know what are the messages what is the information we're getting Who are the people that are talking about things that really get us to open up our minds, open up our hearts, and look at some things we innately know may or may not be happening? Today, you know, Kevin Shuey is joining me here today. Why? Feel Good Sci-Fi Sequel, Now You're Talking My Language, combines factual history with a fun romp across the U.S. circa 1945. Yes, Dare I say Area 51? Dare I say there's actually a computer company that actually named a laptop Area 51? Why? Is it real? Kevin, thank you for joining me here today. It's so great to be with you, Pat. Let's just take a look at this. Let's take a snapshot. If you, if for people, I want them to get to know you, and I want them to get to know like what this journey is like for you. Here you are, and you're out in the world, and you are an accomplished doctor, and there is a message inside of you. There's something inside of you that had to come out. I want to know. What tapped you on the shoulder, maybe on the head, that said, wait a minute, I'm going to do something. I'm going to write a sequel. I'm going to take something out of there. I'm going to talk about bad love tigers. I'm going to talk about bad love strikes. I'm going to talk about something like this for the day and time. What was it that tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, Kevin, tag, you're it? I have to tell you, Pat, um, your line of questioning opening up this interview is is really um, different than anything I've, uh, the way that anyone started with me before, and you you really, you just got into my head, (laughs) and what a wonderful thing from my perspective to be asked the question that way. I really was uh, tapped on the shoulder. I, I'm, a, um, I'm a World War II history buff. All of us, as we get older, we pick up uh, hobbies. And so one of my hobbies is, is World War II history, and I get all these journals. And so literally two years ago in the fall of 18, I'm, I'm uh, reading the story about the Phantom Fortress. And it's, it's, it's in the annals of history. You're... Your uh, listeners can, can Google it. The Phantom Fortress was a true story. It was an American 8th Air Force B-17 bomber that came in to land in Kordenberg, Belgium, in November of 44, late in the afternoon, on its third mission ever. Mm. The problem was, Pat, there was no plane scheduled to land. But it came in and landed anyway at a British air base. 
and the British uh, soldiers on the ground are watching it, and it sits there in the runway <clears throat> with all its engines running, and nobody gets off the plane. <laughs> They're thinking, well, the Germans are using it as a Trojan horse, or everyone's dead and injured on board. So they send this brave British officer out, a guy named John Crist, gets out to the plane and um, gets on board. There's leather flight jackets on the floors. There's parachutes lined up against the walls and candy wrappers open all over. Not a soul on board. And it's a true story. And I read that story and I had this great childhood with this gang of friends, and we call it the Bad Love Gang. And I thought to myself, you know, there could have been time travelers on the Phantom Fortress, and they got zapped back wherever they came from before John was there. And it was like I got struck by a bolt of lightning, and I am not kidding. And the story was born. And I used my uh, neighborhood gang, and I, you know, we all had nicknames right. uh, for each other. And so I'm Bubble Butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bubble Butter BB, and um, and Bubble Butt is the narrator of the Bad Love book series. So in the first book, Bad Love Strikes, the gang takes the Phantom Fortress and they use it. They travel back in time and they use it to rescue Holocaust victims. So now, flash forward, we're into book number two, which is Bad Love Tigers. It's a direct sequel of Bad Love Strikes, and they're, they're just back from the first mission, and they're celebrating New Year's Eve in the time machine, which, by the way, is called the White Hole Project. <laughs> so the White Hole was built at the insistence of President Roosevelt by Albert Einstein as a backup plan to the Manhattan Project. So... If Hitler would have got the atomic bomb first, we right. were going to use the white hole to go back in time and foil him. And so they're celebrating at the white hole New Year's Eve, and they're ambushed by a Russian KGB agent named Borya Krovopuskov. And, um, and so that sets in motion the whole theme of Bad Love Tigers the bad love gang, they don't know if they should go to the authorities or they should go back in time and talk to President Roosevelt about how this breach in security ever happened in the first place. So they do the latter. They go back and they meet with Roosevelt. And in Bad Love Tigers, you get the chance to sit in the room with President Roosevelt and get to know him. And it's really cool. And so uh, Roosevelt sends them puts them in charge of the security of the White Hole Project, but also of the new Area 51, which came into existence a month after Pearl Harbor was bombed. So he puts them in charge, and they have to take a road trip, an epic road trip across America in 1945 from Warm Springs, Georgia, all the way to Area 51, and you get to see America through the eyes of 1970s teenagers um, in, in the spring of 45. And they stop at all these amazing hotels along the way, and they're chased by 
you know, Russian and Chinese and Indian spies. And it's it is an it's just an epic adventure. Yeah. And so much fun. And you know, that's why I was so like really interested in talking about about with you about this because you know there is for all of us that has grown up in sort of this era our fascination. I, I'm struck by two things. First of all, you know, the visionary aspect of what you've done and what you continue to do. And what I mean by visionary aspect, it is, if I could describe it, and it's hard to put words to it, uh, Dr. Shui, if I could just describe it as inside of us, there's an innate knowing. And even that innate knowing, even if we cannot in the moment depict, experience, empirical research, write about, there is a knowing. And it shows up. It shows up in our pop culture. It shows up in the book and the books you've written. It shows up in television series that comes out, you know, way ahead of their time and people resonate with it. In, in it, it is an energy. And I want to ask you about the, this if you don't mind. There is an energy that I think longs for us to tell these stories. And I wanted to ask you, do you have a sense of that? A hundred and ten percent. Awesome. Uh, I mean, I just this is so strange in in a in a wonderful and miraculous way, Pat. Mm. I just finished writing book three and turned it over to the editor two days ago, mm-hmm. and it's called Bad Love Beyond. Nice and. And in Bad Love Beyond, so we're jumping ahead of Bad Love Tigers, but in Bad Love Beyond, which is coming out Christmas, the Bad Love Gang actually used the Y-Hole Project for intergalactic space travel. And they traveled to a planet called Azor, uh, 11.5 billion light years away. And they used wormhole technology to get there using the Y-Hole. And... They're going there for a specific reason. They're going there to get the cure for breast cancer for Hannah Lieb, who's talked about uh, in the first book. And you know that I'm a cancer specialist. Yes, I I do. I don't necessarily think we have to travel 11.5 billion light years away, but, you know, maybe that's a metaphor for the cure of cancer. You know, this is really with a fa- this is really such an important point for me and such a fascination for me. Um, and you know, at an early, early young age, you know, having experiences that literally could be part of your book. But there are these. Let me just call them signs, for lack of a better word. Uh, some people say they're messages. You know, some people say they're insights. But these are things that happen, and they call us to recollect. In your case, they call you to recollect and write and trigger a level of awareness that perhaps is inside of us. Because let me ask you this. If it wasn't inside of us, Dr. Cameron, if it wasn't inside of us, how would we get sort of the multi-layered imaginatory aspect of what we create conceptually in the world, either in science or spirituality or in the big screen. I mean, we have been showing this phenomenon since before we could even write. Is it our time now? Yes. 
I lo- I'd love interviewing with you. We have to do this again. Someday. I hope so. I mean, this is such a short interview. I got like two minutes left here. <laughs> so it's true, Pat. Think about this. So I'm actually, uh, this is a, this is just a, a way to visualize what you and I are talking about, mm-hmm. but I'm one of the founders of the building uh, that I'm working in. It's a, can- you know, it's a, a multidisciplinary cancer center yeah. and surgical center in Golden, Colorado. And so, you know, um, eight years or 10 years ago, this was just an empty lot. And, and so a group of us came together. We visualized what this should be like for the patients and functionality. And I'm sitting here now. That's what all the ideas that are percolating in our souls mm-hmm. can be. They can all become reality. It's just following through on what is in your heart and soul and making sure that you, um, that you exercise that vision in your body, in your soul, because if you don't, it won't become reality. You have to act on it. I just did a whole show about this the other day, talking about different parts of my own journey. I mean, you're talking to me as a radio a person who started to the show 16 years ago that wasn't the Dr. Pat show and 10 years ago started a positive talk radio network soon to have 10 channels. And if you ask me how that happened, I could be a character in your book because no business plan, certainly didn't go back to school to get a doctorate to do this and pay close to a million dollars in airtime. But this is something that I had to do to create this platform. And here's my last question for you, and I know our time is short. I can't help but think about the way that you've written the book and some of the messages in them. And, you know, my mama used to say, you know what, or get off the pot. Are we there now? What is the message for folks today in their experience to to move from contemplation and doubt action and confidence my books are about hope it's the theme of what I do as a living for a living as a cancer doctor Mm. and without hope all of us are aimless and so if there was one word that could describe my books it would be hope and it does it in a way that is actually, you can visualize what is happening with these teenagers as they're coming of age. And they're, by the way, you know, they're playing music as they go through time and through these adventures, music of the 60s and 70s, which is just uh, their soundtracks, all, all books. And so <laughs> it just makes it real. It's like when you read my books, you, you when you get to the end, you're going to be happy. Yeah, no kidding. These books don't take you down a dark hole and leave you there. When you're done, you you feel good. And that's what we need right now. We need to feel good. Yeah. And you know, too, the thing I take away from your books is, I love this, and I'm actually going to post this quote, This what you just said to me, without hope, you know, we are aimless. But here's the thing that I love about this, and I love about you, the work you do, and the message you're bringing forward. It is this very thing that really touches all of us now. And that is, as people, 
we are so much more capable than anything we think we are. And with your messaging and your inspiration and your creativity in this, you allow all of us to understand that this is not a time to live in probability. It is a time to live in possibility. And that, of course, is the core of you as a physician helping people live and thrive with cancer. I want to know how we can find out more about you. And then I'd love to know your personal message and what you want to live us with. And thank you for today. So you can find me on my website at kevinshuey.com, K-E-V-I-N-S-C-H-E-W-E.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Real Kevin Shuey. It's a hoot. So if you want to see <laughs> uh, some of uh, the hope that I put out there, I think you'll enjoy watching uh, my Instagram. And um, and you can go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and you can get the books uh, hard copy, you know, hardcover, paperback, Kindle or Nook. They're all coming out on audio within the next several weeks. And um, and Bad Love Beyond is coming for Christmas. And um, I would just say, you know, my personal message is if, if you know, the, the salve that we need in our society today mm-hmm. is found in my books. And if you want to um, take a break and read something that will not only take you to a different place, but will uh, inspire you, to think about your own life and where you're going and how positive the outcome can be, read the Bad Love book series, Bad Love Strikes, Bad Love Tigers, and soon, Bad Love Beyond. Thank you so much for all that you do. One more time, give out that website. It's kevinshuey.com, K-E-V-I-N-S-C-H-E-W-E.com. And um, there, it's a fun website. You'll be able to explore quite a bit on there. All right. Thank you so very much. Thank you. For those of you out there, please check it out. Look forward to, the, to your new book coming out. My gosh. And uh, the movie. That's right. <laughs> I finished the screenplay for the first book over the Labor Day weekend. So Okay. Uh, that- That's in the works anyway. Yeah, kind of knew it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. You know, marriage is not always easy, but skills that improve communication go a long way. Tune in to the Relationship Rehab Show, Recovering Happiness in Your Love with Nancy Landrum and Dr. Pat each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Nancy is an author and teacher empowering couples to create and sustain loving marriages. Learn to listen, speak, and handle conflict with respect so your love can flourish. To learn more about Nancy and her work, visit nancylandrum.com. Take us with you on that morning commute. Download your favorite podcast from the Transformation Radio Network. Just visit transformationradio.fm. 
Hey, everybody. Yeah, this is a super good news segment. I am so thrilled. Lacey Allen is joining me here today, Associate Director of Scholarships Strategy at the College Board. Um, Many of you have heard parts of my story. What you are hearing during these interviews is my own personal journey about what I didn't know about what I didn't know. Today, the world has changed. And thanks to Lacey and her team and others, this is opportunity time. And so today, get ready, parents or guardians or whoever you are that are helping the students through the admissions process. Oh, my goodness. How do you do it? How do you earn money for college? And how do you do it with college board opportunity? And let me say the word scholarships. Lacey, it's great to have you here. This is really one of the most important conversations of our of our age and our our decade. And one of the things that I think around this conversation, this is going to be the one that if we don't pay attention to this in the years to come, it's going to be a missed opportunity. What do you think? I, I agree. I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, this year is different than any other year, to, to say the least. And I, I think that, you know, we at the College Board and through the Opportunity Scholarships, we are just encouraging students and families that, you know, despite all of this uncertainty and, and even though we don't know what next year will look like, uh, you know, there is a couple really important steps that, that students and families can take now so that next year they have some options for the future. Do you know what we do know about next year? And I think you I, look, this is you have you're all in on this. You know, this is a lifetime dedication for you. You know, you're somebody that you look, you, you volunteered, you're part of the Peace Corps. This is something being of service at this level. This has got to be in your blood. But here's what you and I do know. The dream, the dream to get an education. There is an, a pandemic on the planet that can crush someone's dream. I know that because at 23, I declared I was going to get a PhD and I didn't get it until three decades later. But the dream doesn't get crushed, does it? It doesn't. And, you know, I I do think that a lot of times, you know, especially with college, we have, we set hopes and ideas of of how things are going to be. And, And the college Space, right? You know, sometimes uh, students and families have this idea of what things could be like and and what it's not. And and I think the reality is, is even though that dream looks a little bit different, um, even though it may not be exactly what uh, you thought it was going to be, or this journey wasn't yep. going to be exactly what you had planned for, that that that's that's okay because in some ways, right? That's life. That sometimes how we plan for things doesn't work out. And um, in some ways it, it can be a huge disappointment and, and really saddening. And uh, I think that I am just here to encourage folks that even though this dream looks a little bit different, yep. um, it's still a possibility. And it's still important that, that students continue to go to college and to get the education um, despite the difference uh, this year. Yeah. And let's talk about what you're doing. Cause I, I, this is like, look, if this is still something that's really hitting you up in the head and saying, look, I need to help my children, grandchildren, I need to be interested. Tell me what you've created and what the steps are, because this is one of those practices that can be daunting, but you now have created a way for people not to have to do this alone. So talk about what it is that you all are creating and how you're creating something to address the issues of our time. 
Absolutely. Uh, so really, this program came to be because, you know, we heard, and this was, was uh, before uh, the COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic, it's just, just in general, we hear that applying to college is really complicated and really overwhelming. And I think if, you know, if you remember applying to college, if you have a, a student has ever applied to college, you truly understand that. And so a lot of times, parents, family, students, they just want to know what to do. They're just like, give me, give me a guide, give me a roadmap, just give me the answers, tell me what I need to do and when. And so what we have done is we've designed this program to, of all of the things that students should be doing, we've designed this program to highlight the six important steps. At the end of the day, we say if students do these steps, they will be prepared to go to college. Um, and so it starts in a junior's, uh, it starts in a student's junior year, and these steps follow uh, them into their their senior year. And these are steps like, you know, looking, exploring colleges and building a college list to seniors right now completing um, that really important financial aid form, the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Um, and so our program highlights uh, important milestones that high school students should take. And when students complete these steps, they earn chances at scholarship. So it's, it's a win-win program, really. Students are getting guidance and families are getting guidance on the college planning steps. And they're also uh, have chances at scholarship. You know, the, the thing that I want to just point to is, and please, if you could talk to this, you know, when, once upon a time when the people like me who come from the projects and honestly couldn't read or write till I was about 30, and then, then it was a push, um, you know, when I think about the word scholarships, it only was meant for a handful of people, right? Back in the day, if you come from the projects, you're, you're like, uh, what? Scholar who? Where? What? But let's talk about how you all have broadened the scope and the opportunity of this, please. Absolutely. I, I do think that a lot of times when, um, at least for me personally, when I was in high school, when I thought of scholarships, I automatically ruled them out. I automatically thought, you know, those aren't for me. I'm not the type of person that gets a scholarship. And I think a lot of students feel that way. A lot of students think that they aren't, uh, they don't qualify. Maybe they think they're, um, they don't have good test scores or GPA scores or whatever they tell themselves. But um, what I love about this program is that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your GPA is. It doesn't matter what your test scores are. It doesn't matter if you're valedictorian. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, the, the, captain of the of the track team all of those things are great but this program's for everyone and so really um this program reaches all students as long as you are a high school junior or senior this scholarship program is for you and we just we want to kind of dismantle this idea that scholarships are for for certain types of people and certain types of students and and really say you know with this program anyone can be a scholarship recipient you know, first of all, I, I can't thank you enough, but I want to make sure folks know, how do I find out? Where do I go? How do I get this in my mom's hands or my parents' hands or whoever's going to help me or whether it's a guidance counselor, whoever that is? Where can they go to say, look, this is the place where we can find out more and take some action? 
Absolutely. Well, I would encourage everyone to visit our website. So visiting the College Board Opportunity Scholarships website, uh, where you can learn more about the program, join the program, and you can find that website at cb.org slash opportunity. That's cb for college board dot org slash opportunity. All right. One one thing we didn't talk about that I do want to talk about, which has been a personal struggle for me, um, is there is the there are these things, right, Lacey, there are these things called tests. We call them tests. I don't know what you call them. SATs, GREs, ABCs. You got to sit down and you got to do something with those. The, the idea of doing that is daunting. The notion that I can practice for it for a lot of kids and a lot of adults going back to school, that is like an unknown. You know, can you talk about what it is you're looking at to address these scores, improvements, whatever you call them, college boards? You know, I'm not sure what we call them now, but what is it that you all are seeing with that and what kind of help can people get? Absolutely. I think the... um the best resource that we have is, is we, we've partnered with Khan Academy to offer free personalized SAT preparation. Oh, you know, nice. there are, you know, um, assessments out there, you know, the, the SAT, the PSAT, but in this partnership with Khan Academy, a big piece of it is just knowing what you're doing, right. It's just practicing. And, um, you know, I think for me, you know, study habits and practicing, those are things that I learned until later in life, unfortunately. And so we're really encouraging students to um, to practice and to practice early. And so they can actually sign up for, again, free personalized SAT practice. Um, this is an amazing platform that can help students get familiar with the types of content they'll be testing on. And it'll also, I think, ultimately help them feel confident and prepared on test day. A lot of times, um, you know, it's, you walk into uh, taking a test and you don't, you don't know what's going to be on it. You're, you're nervous, all of those things. But by taking practice tests, by taking practice questions, um, students start to get more confident and get more familiarized. And they think that ultimately that's really what's going to help students excel too. Look, thank you. I know you're rushing off. I know this is a busy day for you because the message is seriously important. Um, can you talk about any last really important things like timelines, dates, when should you do things? And also a personal message from you about what this means to you and what you all are committed to do. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll start with the deadlines. I think it's really, really important that families and students complete that free application for federal student aid um, as soon as possible. Uh, this application is a critical step on a student's journey to college, and so many students don't complete it. And so I would just really say that um, through this uncertainty, and even though students may not know and families may not know what next year will look like, um, completing that FAFSA is going to help unlock uh, the potential of financial aid that students will be eligible for. So complete that step as soon as possible. And also, you know, when you do that, you get a $1,000 scholarship with our program. Um, and in regards to a personal message, I would just uh, like to share that and acknowledge that you know, this this is an interesting time and it, it can be stressful and overwhelming. And I just want to acknowledge that everyone is doing the best that they can. And so give yourself grace. Uh, there's there's a lot 
of things, whether you're taking care of families, whether you're, t- you're taking care of yourself, you're working, you're taking care of kids. Um, it's a lot to juggle. And at the end of the day, we're all just doing the best that we can. So just take it one step at a time. Thank you so much. Again, if I ask you, if you don't mind, website. Absolutely. It is cb.org slash opportunity. That's cb for collegeboard.org slash opportunity. And I want to say to everybody out there, the dream is real. And that dream will turn in to fulfillment. And a lot of people are out there to help you with this. This is really an opportunity. And boy, please contact these folks and get yourself in the game if you're not. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Message delivery by Lisa Ann. You can't make this stuff up. Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Message Delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit AngelMessages2U.com. That's AngelMessages, the number two, the letter U.com. Hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. And it is good news because people are doing really cool things. Here's what I want to say. If you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm like doing everything I'm doing. Got my ballot, placed my ballot. I got my voting mask that I wear. It is about voting. But what if, what if you are not sure? And boy, there's a lot of folks right now. We are not sure if our vote will even get counted. We are not sure if we will be heard. And we've been here before. But who's helping us do something about it? That's Rob. Rob Brown is joining us here today. Founder of the Guard My Vote app and CEO of the Denver Retail Group. Guard My Vote. Yahoo, Rob. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Pat. I appreciate it. And yeah, I'm I'm equally excited about government vote and what it can do for people. I, I'm shocked. I, I've been I've been on the planet longer than you. I've gone through many many protests. I've gone through walking, marching, burning bras. You've named it. I've gone through areas of voter suppression. Never have I seen anything like what we are experienced today without getting into all of that. I just haven't seen it in my lifetime. What made you all step up and say, we got to do something here? Well, kind of like your, what you've experienced, we experienced the same thing, you know, going back to the pandemic and the economic instability. Then we started having various uh, unfortunate and deadly police encounters and communities mm. across country, people just started feeling exactly what you expressed, that I've never seen this before. And for us, it was, I've never seen this before. I know it's happened before, but it can't happen now. Right. And it can't happen to me because it, it happens for those other people, but it's not going to happen to me. But yeah, now it's like everybody is on the table. Yeah. And I think that that's, 
the opportunity that we saw, because if you go back in history, some of those times that you might be referring to when the right to vote was being contested in the South, for example. Oh, yeah. There's images in our head about, well, it's you know the white Southerners against blacks. But today, voter suppression is much more insidious and sophisticated than that. It's not about color. It's not about black and white. It's about facts and rights. Look, I live in a state where Washington State grew up in New York, you know, so, you know, I got the bookends of the country. And, you know, I'm doing shows that talk about what's going on in the middle and on the coast and everywhere. And I thought the last state on the planet, my state, Washington State, would resort to crazy things. Thank goodness for Governor Inslee because, you know, he stepped in. But when you wake up one day and all of a sudden you're post office is rounding up post office boxes like how does that even happen then you have to stop and pause the good news about us that doesn't really nobody gets away with that in washington state the minute that that happened people were out with desks and petitions right outside the post office but you're coming in to help with something more impactful and more personal like my vote tell us about what you've created Well, Guard My Vote is a mobile app designed to empower voters and enable them to to fight voter suppression. Mm. So the question is, how does it empower people? Yeah, there are nonpartisan, unbiased resources within the app that you can find by simply tapping a few screens, and you're redirected to the elections page of your respective Secretary of State's office. Mm-hmm. Secretary of State is the one that oversees or governs the elections and makes sure that the rules are applied. And then it's the Board of Elections or Division of Elections on the local level that actually do the work. But the Secretary of State is the starting place. So we wanted to give people clear information, unbiased information, but then also give them the ability to report to the people that matter. The Secretary of State is the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. and he or she or they can help you figure out what's going on on the ground and they have the resources to help you amplify your voice and your right to vote. One of the things I wanted to talk with you about, Rob, is uh, first of all, how do people find out more about this? How do they get the app? Let's, let's make sure folks have that information. Sure. So more information can be found at guardmyvote.com and the app is available for free in the Apple and Android app stores. And you can download it now. People are downloading it all day for the last couple of weeks. It's it's live, ready to go. I think one of the greatest catalysts I've seen for creating something like this comes out of Texas. Um, And, you know, what am I talking about? Um, When you look at the fact that ballot boxes were reduced to one per county, And I'm telling you, they got some big counties in Texas. You know what I mean? Like big, like large, like some of them the size of states. One box, meaning you have to drive quite a distance. Are these the kind of things which sort of got you up to say, wait a minute, we can do better. We can help people. I mean, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. I agree with you. And when I started, I wasn't envisioning that because that hadn't happened in 
in recent memory at the time. Right. I just was simply going back saying, hey, I hope people have the right to vote. And I know the, polit- you know, the political atmosphere right now is pretty divisive. I don't want that to get in the way. But, you know, to what you just described, Harris County, which is the county where Houston is, 4.7 million people. It's about 1,700 square miles. And they have one ballot box available to all of those people. And uh, it was just yesterday that uh, the Supreme Court uh, re, uh, I guess, denied the, the democratic uh, attempt of changing that, that law. So the ruling was upheld. So that causes a lot of people in Harris County, Democrat, Republican, Independent, a lot of hardship in trying to exercise their right to vote. And that just can't be. So when we see things like that, that the great example of voter suppression, uh, guard my vote can help you dictate or, or document those types of things to your secretary of state, share it on social media so that people can start to understand the problems that we're all having. Yeah, when you compound that situation, and that was really very heartbreaking to hear of that Supreme Court decision, but I think it's going to be one of many to come. Um, and that's why I'm so excited about what you're doing, because Garden Ray Vote is important. You know, the other thing is now let's compound this with COVID-19 and you take a place like Houston and you take a place like I'm, I, it doesn't matter where you are right now, even in the Midwest, in Nebraska, and you're seeing the rates, you know. People want to know, how do I know my voice is going to be heard? Tell us about how this works, if you don't mind. Oh, my pleasure. When you, after you sign up for the app, which will only take you literally a minute to sign up for, you then will be given a choice of uh, surveys. And those surveys are pretty much inspection or checklists that you would use to describe how you're voting. So if you're voting in person, the app will say, are you going to a polling place? If you're voting by mail, it will give you some other options. But let's just use polling place as an example. So when you go to a polling place, you may see the parking lot is full. You may see that there's a long line, a short line. You can make those notations in the app. You can also write free-form text and describe what you're seeing. You can also take pictures and video if it's allowed in your state. And Things like voting machines. Are there voting machines? Are there enough voting machines? Are they working? All of those types of things you can note in the app, and the survey is going to walk you through those types of questions. At the end of that, you then have the choice of just saving that information for yourself, or you can share it on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter with your friends, or you can send it directly to the Secretary of State. So we've embedded uh, links directly to the Twitter handles and email address for every uh, state in the country, for every Secretary of State. So you don't have to figure out in the government websites how to get that information to those people. We've done that work for you to make it super easy for you to share your voice and let people know what's going on. Within the time of this interview, I want to tell people that what I've done is I've gone to my Google Play. And what you want to type in, you want to type in Guard My Vote. You're going to see an icon very similar to what you see on the website, guardmyvote.com. It's like a little check mark, right? Right, Rob? Um, and what you're going to be able to do is you're going to sign up and you're going to be able to do it. And, you know, within the minutes that I'm talking to Rob or Rob was just talking here, that's what I did. And we're going to make sure all of you know about this because this is how we can empower ourselves. Rob, um, I want to ask you, thank you for today. I, I want to ask you, what is the personal message? What is it that I didn't ask you? And anything else you want to say to help people get signed up for this? 
Absolutely. It's, it's easy. It's intuitive. It's designed for people that are first-time voters. Maybe you're unfamiliar with downloading apps. It is very easy to use, number one. Number two, if you've already voted and haven't downloaded the app, you still can use the app to tell us what your experience was. Your information is anonymized. We don't share your information uh, with anyone uh, in a fashion that goes back directly to you. We don't ask you who you're voting for. That's not the point. Every American citizen deserves the right to vote in a safe and equitable way. And that's what we're all about. I love it. I want to thank you for everything today. And the website is guardmyvote.com. Right, Rob? That's right, Dr. Pat. And I want to tell you, in the time we've just done this here, I have gone over here and taken a look at it. I have both signed up, gone to the website, and I have gone to my phone. That's how easy it is. And I encourage everybody, please pass this on because it is the one thing you can do. Uh, Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your time, Dr. Pat. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Imagine a world where good news, positive information and stories were the mainstream. Tell us your positive story. Hashtag positivity rules. You are listening to the Transformation Radio Network. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome to the world. And, you know, here's what I want to say about it. Many of us have really come to the table when it comes to COVID-19 with more questions than answers. But the number one thing on everybody's mind has to do with testing. Who are the people that are leading? Who are the folks and companies that are out front? Who are the organizations? Who are they that are out there counting and saying, this is what we can do and we could do it better? Well, modernized testing to keep our workforces and communities safe. It is essential. It's essential to me as a business owner, and it is essential to others. Today, Sean Slavinsky is joining me here today, CEO of BioIQ. And, you know, this is really what this is about. Because whether you're waiting or not waiting, the one question that people ask is, do I get the test? How do I get the test? How often can I get the test? It is about testing at the moment. Sean, it's great to have you here. Well, it's great to be here, Dr. Pat. Thanks for having us. And I think you just hit the key point. Uh, And there are two sides to it. One is the physical nature of can I get a test? How quickly can I get results so I can make a decision about my health? Do I return to work or school, etc.? The other side is the psychological side, the worry of do I have it? Have I been exposed? Have I exposed somebody, a family member, a child, et cetera? It worries people. And so testing actually is a twofold item. It makes you understand what you can do in your life and the actions you have to take, and it makes you feel psychologically better to know um, so you can make those choices. The key issue in this day and age. Well, you are an industry innovator here. You are out in front, and I, and I mean that. You're out in front. 
Um, and you have been able to see the full landscape of things. And this really touches the hearts of people, if I could say, Sean. And what I mean is I just had a real life situation with a friend of mine and, you know, both parents diagnosed, had to go out to care for them in a state in the country where they're not wearing masks and the COVID is surging. And so the question that comes to mind, can I get a test every day? Should I get a test every day? But you know, you watch the scenario where the testing is taking at least three days to come back, and yet you're still caring for people. Isn't this, as we move into this particular season, isn't this do I or don't I one of the cornerstones of getting people to this place of wellness and and reduce worry? Tell us about BioIQ and what you're doing to address that. Yeah, sure thing. And, and again, I, I think you're right on point with all of this. Um, you know, the analogy that I like to use is the traditional testing industry um, that kind of ran out of capacity and ability about six weeks into the pandemic is akin to a yellow taxi cab company. Yeah. And BioIQ is more like Uber. So we don't actually own the tests in the laboratories. What we've done over the last 15 years in the diagnostic space is develop relationships with hundreds and hundreds of laboratories all over the country, rural hospitals, regional medical centers, university laboratories. And we, we've we created this network that allows us to flex up and down. So that when somebody needs to test somewhere, not only can they get it, but actually our turnaround times are much quicker. They're within the 24 to 48 hour window because we're taking advantage of capacity. I was uh, speaking with someone the other day, and they're talking about how they got stuck in the rain in New York City and couldn't get a taxi. So what do you do? That's kind of like the pandemic, right? It's, it's I can't get a test. I can't get a taxi. Yeah. It feels like it's raining on my life. And uh, you just hit the Uber app, and there you go, right? And someone shows up five minutes later, and you can follow where they are and where they're going to take you. And that's where the diagnostic industry is actually starting to go. COVID's just moved it along a lot quicker. And, you know, when people ask me what I think and what what have we innovated here as a result of COVID, I have a very long list. I mean, things are being accelerated that perhaps were on your business plan for a year from now, but they are moving to the forefront. And, and, you know, let's talk about what you all have done to respond to the demand. Because sometimes I think about this, Sean, and I think people talk about how great Zoom is, but I think about what Zoom has done you know, as a company to respond. So let's talk about the responding because what that means to listeners today, Sean, is that if you guys have responded up to this point, I'm excited to hear about what you're planning. So give us fill in the blanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and uh, this across the board, all the different healthcare companies and groups out there, not just our own, but I'm I'm not sure that we've slept since February uh, because we're trying to respond. And yeah, yeah. So with the existing testing that's available, certainly we're doing our part to provide over more than 500,000 tests a day, which is significant COVID capacity wow. in all of our laboratories. But what we've come to realize is that uh, getting rid of the laboratory is probably the most important way of creating enough volume of tests to be available. And so just like you can go to a store or order online and get a pregnancy test, um, you know, a lot of the new technologies and, and uh, device manufacturing companies that we work with to kind of push the envelope a few years ahead 
um, are coming out with these tests going through emergency use validation with the FDA, and I, I believe several of these groups will probably be approved by the end of the year, where a little bit of spit or one little drop of blood at home, uh, and you can know within 10 to 15 minutes if you have COVID or not. Um, that's when you start to see um, testing becoming ubiquitous, less expensive, and quite frankly, more timely so people can make decisions about their health and their life. Those kinds of things, just generally in diagnostics, to your point, we're a year, two, three years out, but a lot of these groups, us included, are doing a lot of work to take three years worth of effort and do it three months. You know, I, I want to take a minute. How do people find out more about what you're doing? Because there's, a, you know, there's a lot that you all have created on your website to give people a lot of answers. What is the best way for folks to plug in about all of the things you're doing around access and healthcare service, preventable, treatable, all of that? What's the best way? Yeah, it really is the website. It's bioiq. That's b i o i q dot com. And we have a host of resources, as you mentioned. You can talk to one of our uh, customer service representatives to answer questions for you as well. And we're happy to help any way that we can. I want to jump to employers and industries because this has been a real conundrum for those of us that are employers. Um, It has been everything from should we put temperature screening at the door. I mean, literally, this is a maze we've had to walk through to try to figure it out. And of course, there are some very specific guidelines about what we can and cannot ask people. How are you addressing what employers have been saying to you that they need most? Well, that's been interesting. Yes, there are guidelines, but most of the big companies and the large insurance organizations we work with they have their own medical directors um, and their own medical experts. Mm-hmm. The guidelines, but they also make their own based on their industry and unique situation. Yeah. And so we're finding in each situation, it's just a little bit different. Some are doing the temperature checks. Some are saying, doesn't really do much. We'd rather do more testing. That's more valuable. Yeah, it costs more, but it, it gives us more information. Psychologically, it makes our employees feel better because it's more certain and definitive. So we'd rather do that. So it really is on a case-by-case basis. But the one thing they all have in common is they want everyone to feel physically and psychologically safe. And whatever does that the best is what they want to do, kind of regardless of the cost. It's that important. And, you know, that is really good news to everyone. Um, If you don't mind, let's let's just take a trip to the future. What does the future look like from your perspective for diagnostics? Yeah, it's going to be a few things. One is a lot of the things you used to go to the doctor for or have to go to a testing center for or a laboratory, you're going to be able to do in your home with a drop of blood or a little bit of spit. Mm. Um, the technologies that have advanced for COVID alone are now starting to be applied to routine diagnostic testing as well. Um, so I think, again, and this is to your earlier point about innovation, you're going to see things that might have been three to five to eight years off being done in six months to a year, even in the regular diagnostic industry. So I think you're going to see a lot more people getting a lot more done at home and not having to go somewhere for it. Wow. Thank you, Sean. I want to thank you so much for today. One last question. Um, please give out the website. And I'd love to know your personal message, what you'd like to leave us with today. 
You know, I just one. I hope everyone understands that we all all are in the same boat. We're all worried about the same things, but there is really light at the end of the tunnel, and it's coming and coming faster than most people realize. And please, that website again, and thank you so much for getting out here and bringing the message, because I'll tell you what, communication is one of the best ways to close the gap between fear and faith. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Listen, go on over, check it out. And this is something that all of us want to know about. We want to be informed. We want to make informed decisions. And we want to know about what we need to do to keep us all safe. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back.